It's a fact long understood that comedy peaked in the year 2004, because that was the year the funniest story ever told was released on film. The movie, of course, is Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Now, you may have heard conflicting reports about this zenith in comedy, but I can state definitively that Anchorman is, in fact, the funniest thing ever made. I haven't watched the movie in maybe eight years, but I can still quote almost every single line of dialogue. And if I'm ever feeling sad or the world has lost its mirth, I can remind myself of the origins of the name San Diego, or imagine the brawl between news teams, or even just assure myself that lamps are worth loving. There have been funny movies released since 2004, to be sure, but there will never be another Anchorman. Once perfection has been summited, all other peaks seem like little more than hills in comparison. Hyperbole aside, I actually can't remember laughing as hard during any experience, whether it was stand-up comedy, film, or sitcom, as I remember laughing upon watching Anchorman for the first time, or the second, the third, or even the twelfth time. Obviously, it's not to everyone's liking. In fact, I'm sure any connoisseurs of comedy listening right now have either shut off the episode in disgust, or they're already preparing to tweet their displeasure at us. But in all truth, Anchorman holds the warmest place in the cockles of my comedic heart, and pretending otherwise would be downright dishonest. It was a combination of very time-specific factors, my age, my friends, the zeitgeist of 2004, that endeared the film to me. And I'm sure if I watched it again today, I probably wouldn't find it nearly as funny. My sense of comedy has changed over the years, but it's also, in a sad way, deadened. Just like young love, young comedy can sink its hooks into you and set neural pathways to specific expectations. Expectations that will never be reached in quite the same way as that first love or that first comedy. Humor and comedy are intensely personal, subjective things that fuse with other aspects of our personality and situation to shape our identity. They're also expressions of that identity, outlets for different aspects of how we view the world to emerge and be made manifest in our speech, our writing. The truth of that is revealed in the comedy of Shakespeare. Just like the blockbusters of today, Shakespeare knew how to make people laugh. He wouldn't have continually put on silly comedic plays if he was no good at it. The companies hiring him simply wouldn't have let him continue writing them. Even in his dramas, there are funny characters, funny moments, or at least we think there are. Because just as Anchorman exists as a testament to how old and out of touch with current comedy I am, Shakespeare's plays just aren't as funny for us as they were for his original audience. Part of that disconnect is linguistic, but most of it is simply temporal. What's funny now will not be funny in 400 years. Some premises and bits hold up better than others, and there have been times when I've laughed out loud just reading Shakespeare, and many more times when a well-produced Shakespearean play has put an entire theater in stitches. It's certainly possible to mine the historically funny out of Shakespeare. The man had chops. But just like Anchorman, watching a comedy of errors in 2021 will not connect me with how funny it must have been to the Londoner in 1594, watching the antics of Antiphilus and Dromeo. Today we're going to talk about some of that history, about how Shakespeare built his comedy, how audiences may have appreciated it, and how we find Shakespeare funny in this day and age. So pull out a fine leather-bound book, eat a whole wheel of cheese, and leave Dorothy Mantooth on red for this episode of The Big Stew Shakespeare. Since brevity is the soul of wit, more of your conversation would infect my brain. Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? To speak of him as my kinsman, he's a most notable coward, an infinite and endless liar, an hourly promise breaker, the owner of no one good quality worthy your lordship's entertained. And beat me when I should infect my hand. The lady doth protest too much, methinks. The course of true love never did run smooth. 
I'm Lindsay. And I'm Aiden. And we are the Bix. Indeed we are. And today, as Aiden very eloquently and hilariously put it, are here to discuss the comedy of Shakespeare. What makes Shakespeare funny? Um, And while I I thoroughly enjoyed your opening essay, Aiden, um, as... Anyone who knows me knows I love Anchorman. I love comedies. You do. Um, we went to see that film. It yes, was one we of did. the first films we saw as a yeah. couple back in 2004. Uh, yeah. Uh, I have some qualms with the idea <laughs> that Shakespeare isn't funny because I disagree with you on that. So I think this episode might actually be a. For a, for a topical episode as opposed to a play based episode, um, maybe this will be more bickery than. Uh, than, than you, you might have come to expect yeah. from the latest crop of Bix Pod episodes. Where we just agree on everything. We, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think my my personal feeling about comedy and Shakespeare, I, I feel very much like you that that there are linguistic and temporal mm-hmm. um, barriers barriers yeah. to understanding. And so you you know, you can't laugh at a Shakespearean joke reading it without a footnote or an endnote that in explains a lot of cases, it. yes. Yeah. And so it's kind of hard to you, you need if you need the joke to be explained to you, it's probably not <laughs> the funniest. Yeah. But as you mentioned, watching a performance, there are times when it it can be laugh out loud funny in the hands of a very skilled uh, acting troupe and with the a keen director mm-hmm. at the helm, you can have a, a wonderful funny portrayal of these jokes that would otherwise sail over your head so i I don't think that it's that shakespeare is not funny i just think that you need a little bit of massage and finesse to to make it come alive and that might be a stroke against it i don't know thoughts yeah no i i agree absolutely i think i think the 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 gold is there to be mined uh it does take a, a deft hand and it takes someone who understands uh what Shakespeare's comedy was originally intended to do, how it was originally intended to operate. Yeah. Um, and either filling in those gaps for the audience or skipping over them. And yeah. maybe, you know, maybe the, not all the jokes land that they would have originally, um, but you can still make it a fun experience by amping up the parts that the audience is going to understand. Right. Or, uh, you know, again, doing things with character actions to really emphasize. You know, yeah, I even wish if you the, could see Aiden right now. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm thrusting with the hands here. It's pretty gross. Uh, and, you know, like that's what you kind of need to do in order yeah. to get across um, what's funny about this scene if the language isn't going to connect with the audience immediately. Well, and, and so it... There's the linguistic jokes that are puns and wordplay that that uh, rely on sometimes something as simple as as rhyming yeah. and, and sound alike words that yep. don't translate anymore because the great vowel shift in the way that our language is pronounced versus the way it was back then. Um, but as you mentioned, there are physical acts that can be made funny. And so Shakespeare, when when the physical comedy comes out, I think that's more universal than the linguistic yeah. uh, the jokes of it but i mean certainly if you read it with the knowledge of what the, the jacobean or elizabethan audiences of the time yeah, would have thought have, funny yeah, yeah. you'll find the humor yeah and i think that that's you know we'll get into all of this i think too because there's also you know the comedies the comedy in a comedy versus the comedy in a tragedy or in a, in a history play yes, are, are very different, different and yeah. they, they they hit different, right? Yeah. So, um, but again, that's something we're going to get into as we as we go through this this episode. Um, I think a good place to start is kind of going back to what did yeah. the Elizabethans and Jacobeans enjoy about theater, yeah. um, and and really, I, I think we've t- we talked about this a few weeks ago on on the podcast where we mentioned the growth 
out of like the medieval theater scene. Yes, yes, <laughs> you exactly. Call it yes, that? yes. The morality plays yeah. and the Christian theology that was getting hammered over the head with every single play into this more open and and less restrictive uh, storytelling world um, that Shakespeare operated well, in. It so. was for entertainment as opposed yeah. to teaching the stories of the Bible to an yeah. illiterate mass who were mo- more pagan than Christianized. Yeah, yeah exactly. Still, yeah, really. yeah, yeah. So, you know, you've got people in cities, you've got... Uh, a cultural milieu that you're that you're mining for mm-hmm. um, characters and um, situational comedy that that comes up in in not just Shakespeare but Ben Jonson was also a yeah. a master of of the the comedy stylings of the time yeah yeah, yeah. um so and, and really it's just because. You want to get bums in seats yeah. or feet in the pit, well, right? And, we, and we've talked about it many times. There were uh, other alternatives. There were there were bear baits and there were right? uh, probably cockfights and, you know, all sorts of things that and were... Sex workers. Yeah, exactly. You're competing with <laughs> yeah. a lot to, yeah. can, exactly. to get those bums in seats. Yeah, yeah. So you, you needed something that could appeal to... Uh, again, and these are these are commoner Londoners who are paying their penny to get yeah. in. It's not, uh, I mean, Shakespeare has a lot of highfalutin jokes sure. as well, uh, but for the most part, it's it's puns, it's uh, it's body humor, mm-hmm. uh, it's physical humor. It's mm-hmm. the things that that to this day do stand uh, in a lot of cases the test of time, um, and in some cases, uh, it's a reflection of how little our society has actually changed. Again, we mentioned this in the last couple episodes of how. Uh, yeah, Shakespeare's time and our time don't feel that different in a lot of ways. Dick jokes still make us laugh. Yeah, yeah, because we don't talk about dicks very much. So when they do come up, it's funny. So, you know, th- there's stuff like that, that that really does withstand the test of time pretty well. Have it be coward! I think another uh, aspect that is um, that makes Shakespeare's comedies and Jacobean and Elizabethan comedies um, such an interesting touchstone or an interesting thing to look at is the idea that... Um, we're coming out of a period of, of medieval religious fan- fanaticism, as we mentioned, mm-hmm. coming into an age of enlightenment and um, individualism and the importance mm-hmm. of, of benefiting the individual and and elevating the individual to a place of importance that they didn't really have before. Yeah. And so there's, there's an idea, I, I guess, a sense that um, individual acts, individual people with their individual quirks can be mined yeah. as a source of comedy gold, yeah. right? Yeah. To you have the funny characters. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And that's not something like in, in a medieval um, morality play or a mystery play, yeah. you have a trope. You might have, yeah. you know, the the a, a type of character, a, a, an archetype that would be um, – there to be funny like a punch and judy type thing where Mm -hmm. it's what's expected but there's nothing surprising about it anymore it's just what's expected pivoting into the elizabethan and jacobean theater age you have characters with with whole foibles and like falstaff right who is whole cloth created from shakespeare's imaginations and, and the people that he's met to have follies and quirks and weird idiosyncrasies yeah. that can then be mined for for gold. I keep using that. You brought it up. It's it's, 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 it's a valuable yeah. mineral, Lindsay. Yeah. Let's keep digging for it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But it's true, right? Yeah. And so it's it's like that and not only that, but but 
a, a character like Falstaff who can be taken down a peg or two, or Malvolio, yeah. or Sir Andrew Agicic, who yes. you know can be can be taken down a peg or two is is kind of there's a democratization going on there as well, which fits very nicely with a post peasants revolt. Uh, yeah, kind of feel you right? know where yeah. everybody is is kind of a little more level. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, and you have even Hal as yeah. as a kind of a funny character, uh, you know, because he he participates on Falstaff's level. Mm-hmm. And Shakespeare's very clear to like still give him the reverence of a future king, the future Henry yeah. V. You know, he's he has those asides where he's like, I'm doing this to hang out with the people and get a sense of them, but I'm going to be a king one day. Yeah. And and so Shakespeare never kind of grants that to the highest nobles in no. the land or anything like that. Um, but it is, it is uh, a sense of, uh, yeah, like you said, democratization of, yeah. of bringing everyone down to the same level so that you can make fun of their excesses and exactly. their, their haughtiness and their, yeah. It's it's maybe the birth of punching down. Yeah. Or punching up. Punching up. Punching yeah. up. Not punching down. No, not punching down. You don't punch down. Although punch he, d- he does punch, punch down, down quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. There's quite a few dumb peasants who he makes fun of. It's true. Repeatedly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but it, you know, that's kind of, the, this is where comedy's going. And then there's, there's this idea that, you know, what's the average life expectancy? Life is, life is <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> We're Nasty all going to die. Nasty British and short. Yes. Nasty yeah. British and short. Yeah. So, I mean, why not enjoy ourselves while yeah. we're here? Yeah. It's it's less about um, living your life. You're obviously still thinking about your immortal soul. Yeah. But, you know, let's have some fun while we're here, you know? And I think that's kind of the beginning of, of like, the YOLO lifestyle, maybe, you know? <laughs> let's, let's go let's and... Let's not draw that comparison. <laughs> well, but think about it, right? If you're going to spend your meager earnings yeah, yeah. on, you know, cockfights, bear baiting, sex work, or the theater, I mean, those are not noble pursuits. No. They're, they're things they're, they're that They're not going to help your soul, for no, sure. No, absolutely sure. not. So, but people are still doing it in droves or else this wouldn't be happening. Yeah. yeah. So I think that speaks to a, a, a an ethos of the time that, that we're all going to go someday. <laughs> yes. So let's just have some fun. And of course, the backlash to that is the Puritans in the, yeah. the middle part of the 17th century. But yes. um, anyway, that's that's kind of, I think, where where Shakespeare fits in is, is um, as we've already mentioned, some of the characters that he that he draws on, the situations that he puts them in are also hilarious. And yes. sometimes the characters are less important than the situation, mm-hmm. um, which is not the best way to write a story but it makes it easy for a, a lay audience to understand yeah um and laugh along yeah and and exactly and then and then you have these ethical concerns on top of it i think that kind of all mixes together and and creates the the starting point for the shakespearean canon to to grow yeah and to work its comedy on yep okay. you horse and cow thou stool for a witch i do do thou sudden witted lord thou hast no more brain than a honey man so how does Shakespeare provide the humor that he, that the audience so clearly wants? We, I mean, there's there's lots of ways, and mm-hmm. I don't think this list is exhaustive. But exhaustive, sorry, but we have come up with quite a few. The first obvious one, because it is he he was a pun master, I, a man after my own heart. Yes, yes, you your favorite type of comedy, dad jokes, the dad jokes, yeah. uh, and there are a few. 
There are more than a few. There's quite a bit. Uh, Again, these are the ones, though, that that don't translate very well in a lot of cases because they were based on you making the subconscious connection between um, a word that's said and the way that the word, the C word now is pronounced, you know, and and the audience at the time would have been like, ah, he's he's getting at that. We get it. But now we have no idea because the the word doesn't sound that way. And uh, we don't even know what the what the rhyming word was like. We don't use it anymore. There was a good example when I was doing my research and I'm going to misquote this horribly but uh the gist of it was that a character was talking about um uh, a buckskin coat or something or Mm -hmm. a buckskin jerkin or i don't know yeah and we don't have the context to understand that the pun in that joke was related to the police officer or the the magistrate or whoever would wear that type of clothing so the Uh, comparison is being made to something that we do not have a cultural context for anymore it would be the same maybe as as referring to a a baton or or a nightstick nightstick, and the funny hat that a a london cop would wear right like in 400 years or to an alien species they would not have the context (laughs) to understand why we would be poking fun at that without a footnote or an endnote so yeah you're right the puns are oftentimes where you get that it's the linguistic the wordplay it's where shakespeare can be really clever and i think that Mm -hmm. the reason i like puns not just because i have a a really simplistic sense of humor (laughs) but um as an English teacher and as someone who really enjoys language, I think that um, it shows a kind of sophistication if you can play with the words that you're using. So, I mean, this is Shakespeare can shine in, in these yeah. in the wordplay. And there are interesting moments um, in uh, I, I love the fool in Twelfth Night who does this a lot with Olivia and with Viola both where he take the yeah, fool away yeah, yeah. oh you heard her take the lady away <laughs> yeah, yeah. like funny stuff like that yeah. that doesn't need a translation it's yeah. just silly yeah. right and and that's where you get um, a lot of that that wordplay going on there's also the body humor yeah well which connects very adroitly to uh, <laughs> the puns because yeah. a lot of the puns are sex. Yeah. Oriented. And uh, again, those are the ones that often don't uh, get translated because nobody's writing those down. So the usage of them shifts over time much quicker than if they were, you know, written down and, and codified in a certain way. Right. Um, so, yeah, we get a lot of the, the puns we don't understand. So, again, that's where the opportunity for, uh, you know, the thrusting hips and what have you of the actors on stage really comes into play. But you also have um, debate, I think, also among scholars. So you uh, get a thing like Much Ado About Nothing. Where the title could be just nothing, we're talking about nothing, or it's much ado about yeah the the vagina, (laughs) right? So you know, is this wordplay? Is it not wordplay? There's room for both, yeah, both arguments, yeah. Um, But this is also the category. um, Is it Macbeth with the the limp dick joke that uh, alcohol? Um, does all this, this stuff, stuff like it it, enha- it enhances the desire but stifles the performance. performance yeah. I mean everybody gets that. You yeah. don't have to be a, a a great reader to understand they're talking about impotence, yeah. right? Yeah. So and that's still funny today because it's it's relatable. Yeah. And I think that's where the body humor yes, the words themselves may be challenging and may need a little bit of explanation, but either in the hands of a skilled performer and skilled uh, acting troupe and director or um, just by virtue of our own obsession with toilet humor today. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Those jokes still pass. They still 
yeah. they still make us laugh. It's true. Um, and it's it's one of those uh, avenues of comedy that I think really, uh, again, reflect how little, how little things have changed because yeah. we do still find it funny because it is somewhat taboo. It's something that we don't talk about openly. Yeah. Uh, we talk about it in jokes because yeah. if you're laughing about it, you're not taking it too seriously, exactly. which means you're not challenging the, the norms of, of society. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, Shakespeare does a lot of stuff with mistaken identity, misconceptions, oh, yes. plot contrivances, yes. things that, as we said, the situations that set up uh, the character's and make the humor go. Yeah. Um, so mistaken identity, how well, many plays have... Well, Comedy of Errors is the <laughs> epitome, right? Two <laughs> right. sets of identical twins just getting everybody confused. And the situation that the man names both of his twin sons Antipholus <laughs> and both of the servants' twins, Dromeo. I mean, this is not something that a normal person or anybody this never does. never happened. Never. Never. Although I did read a tweet thread recently where a woman was going through her genealogical history and she found out that her great-great-grandmother named two of her daughters the same name, just spelt differently. So maybe it was more common. That's true. I don't know. I've never heard Uh, of this, but... That's terrifying. um, Either way, like, uh, uh, yeah, or Twelfth Night with um, deliberate attempts at... at, obscuring or obfuscating your yeah. identity yeah. Um, which then leads to the comedy, the comedy of, of the ass in the in the bedchamber with hippolyta right yeah, or yeah. uh viola being um olivia falling in love with viola yeah as yeah what what's viola's name sebastian olivia no no viola, viola when she's playing the dude no sebastian's her brother who does what's her, what's her name when she's the guy yeah the guy doesn't it also start with an o no, you're thinking of Orsino. Orsino. Orville Redenbacher? <laughs> I was thinking of Orsino, but... <laughs> what? I gave it a try. You have to look it up on the internet. Who's weak now? It's me. I'm, I'm the weak one. Cesario. 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 Yeah. Wow. It had an O in it, though. Yeah. You were right. Anyway. <laughs> I was right. That is the biggest stretch we ever used. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the these are situations that, whether the characters are... Uh, deserve to be put in these situations or whether it feels natural for them is is less of a concern than the situation being funny itself mm-hmm. and um and this is also i think uh you get the misconceptions coming in as well you have um it's very common in shakespeare to have low class quote-unquote mm-hmm. people servants and washing women and whatnot being and fools being the source of wisdom wisdom and truth which yeah. is not something that you would see in reality, nobody's listening to the guy who's washing your clothes. Yeah. But in Shakespeare's plays, they are the wisest people. And that's um, mind for comedy as well as a misconception about uh, the way that society is set up, I think. Just yeah. s- turning that on its head a little bit, having the the wealthiest people be the most ridiculous. Sir John Falstaff, Sir Andrew Agucheek. Polonius. They're all <laughs> yes, ridiculous yes, yeah. characters and they're all at the yeah. upper echelons of society. Yeah. And then the people who are below them, the fool and and the clowns are, you they're, know, they're real the wise people. men. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And I think that um, it's a uh, it's a bit of irony, right? It's, a, yeah, it's playing exactly. with your expectations about how these characters should behave, especially if you're walking in. Um, you know, you're a, a, a Renaissance time traveler coming from 1330s and you drop into the globe, you would not expect that. Yeah. And it would be a, a kind of a, a novel thing to, to see on the stage, I would imagine. Nothing will come of nothing. 
Then there's physical comedy. Yeah. I mean, just again, basic physical the comedy. The basic stuff. And it's, and again, that one is oftentimes not even on the page. It, mm-hmm. It's literally just uh, set up and, I mean, occasionally they're like, they'll have a stage direction of he beats him or something like that. And that's supposed to be the, com- Exit, the comedy. Exit, pursued aspect. by a bear. Yeah. You know, Can that, be played for laughs. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, often is because it's expensive to have real bears. Well, yes, obviously. Yeah. And so, quite dangerous, yeah, I would exactly. imagine. So, um, yeah, but there's that. But there's, I mean, you can, you can litter the physical comedy throughout. That is, that is obviously because it is physical. It's in yeah. the hands of the performers and yeah. the director to to set it up and sell it that way. Um, but it is something that Shakespeare allows for within the, the the text, and it's something that people have been mining for a long time. And it it it's one of those ones that does update uh, as each generation kind of tackles Shakespeare. A little. But I think everybody, any any performance of uh, Twelfth Night will have. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness mm. thrust upon, upon them. Um, I think everybody is going to use hip motions in yes, that. Yes, thrusting. There's a lot of thrusting. Yes. Although, not, it, again, that one, that version that we watched was far too serious that way because it did not have hip thrusting. And it didn't. Honestly, Malvolio. It was anybody's the worst be, for it. Yes, it really mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lindsay. Um, so the difference between comedy and a comedy and comedy and a tragedy is also mm-hmm. something that um, Shakespeare is well aware of. And, and there's a really fascinating um, paper that we'll link to from the, I don't remember when it was written. Which journal 70s, was or anything? 50s. Okay. Uh, well, it was published by the Johns Hopkins University Press oh, okay. um, in 1906. So quite, wow. quite old. Okay. But the, the general gist of it is that there, there are different ways and different reasons that Shakespeare would put comedy in. There's comedy for just the sake of comedy, for comic relief. There's uh, comedy that heightens the tragedy that's about to happen. So mm. that's what you get in... in, um, in the, like the heavy tragedy, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And the way that these that the comedy is used, um, I, I think there was a time when people thought it was inappropriate for there to be funny moments in a tragedy, right? Yeah, it was. It takes away from the tragedy. Tragedy needed to be sad and and morose and heavy and all the time. Yeah. And then comedies could have these lighter moments. Um, but the way that Shakespeare does. In this paper, anyway, um, I think they go through seven or eight of the big name tragedies. Mm -hmm. And some of the comedy is much more effective than others, but you can see the point of it. Consistency. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why that stuff is happening. Like the, um, the scene in Hamlet where you have the the night watchman, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a comic scene that kind of works because the, it, you need that levity there. There's a ghost on stage, yeah, so you yeah. need some people who are going to be poking fun and, and kind yeah. of being. Especially if, you're, if the, you can't really sell the ghost sure. using sage effects of exactly. the day, right? You don't want to. You don't want to have them try and take it too seriously. You wait for Hamlet to do that right. when he's engaging with it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, other examples are uh, Mercutio uh, yeah. asking me tomorrow, and you shall find me a grave man, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, where. And then he yeah. curses a plague on both Those your houses. houses yeah. It's it's um, adds a layer of pathos to mm. to that scene and makes Mercutio's death both uh, it 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 enlivens his character and and fits with his character um, because yeah. he is that kind of character. Yeah. But it also drops right down into the center of your stomach when he he's dying. He yeah. will he will be in a grave tomorrow. Yes. And you are cursed now. I mean, there's there's a power to that, right? So the comedy in that uh, works really well, I think. And and you see that all the time now, too. Like, there's comedy, comedic moments in 
in horror movies. There's comedic moments in thrillers, and it's why the Scary Movie franchise was able to be <laughs> so successful when it came out, yeah. right? Because as a source of comedy, I mean, the fear response and the laughter response, um, they kind of they they're kind of the same in a yeah. weird way. I had a friend who was um, narcoleptic, and and she would have. Um, when she laughed or when she got scared, it didn't matter. That's she would—that's when it that's would, would happen, yeah. and she would she would you know pass out and yeah. cataplexy, yeah. right? So um, it's uh, it's not unheard of. I think it's it's pretty understandable how these two things feel like they should be married together. Yeah, and they act very differently than the the comedy in a comedy of errors or um, Twelfth Night or. Uh, the Merry Wives of Windsor, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's physical comedy and it's misconceptions and it's yes, mistaken identity. Yes, that yes. doesn't happen yeah. in the tragedies. In those cases, there's I mean, a it, pathos to Well, it. and it's something we've been dancing around, but there, there's it's irony. In a lot it of is, the cases, yes. the comedy is irony. And the irony in a drama has this extra layer of dramatic irony that and not not the textbook definition of dramatic irony but literally to add drama to the storyline um you can add a comedic scene that still does that whereas you don't need that extra drama in in the comedy comedy, yeah yeah. in in a set comedy um and i think that's where it's kind of interesting to look at like some of the problem plays where the comedy sometimes is or there's elements of comedy from a comedy that are are strapped into a uh, dramatic scene, like Winter's Tale. Winter's yeah, going yeah. from you know uh, Leonidas and and the the yeah. drama of the court, and then fast forward to we're at a county fair and there's wenches and there's yeah. lambs and there's what's going on. It's a yeah. pastoral comedy all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, it's it's a good shift. Yeah, it is a good shift. It's yeah. a jarring shift, but yeah. it it works. And uh, I was thinking of uh, Merchant of Venice, where you ah. have this mistaken identity yes. of what's her name again, Portia, Portia. Uh, as the lawyer. Yeah. Um, and then there's this dramatic thing with the with the rings and everything, and she's asking for them, and mm-hmm. then at the end she comes back and do it. It's a very comedic thing, but yeah. it's strapped into this this very dramatic, tense uh, courtroom scene, mm-hmm. and that's that's something that feels out of place yeah. in that scene yeah. and yet it does work because it's within a comedy um, but that's yeah. kind of why that's kind of a problem play in a lot of yeah. people's opinions and we, yeah. we talked about that in our episode about mm-hmm. how um, the the play works best when at least in our opinion when the tragedy of Shylock's end or the tragedy of Jessica's end or the tragedy of that whole of arc, that, yeah, whole yeah. arc that whole arc yes yeah. <laughs> is, is emphasized and so downplaying the ring exchange or downplaying the marriage and the happiness at the end and and that whole mistaken identity thing um, heightens the tragedy of what's going on or heightening it can, can also set it in contrast to the tragedy. And that's the thing. Yeah. That's what I found the, the best productions of that play that I've seen, uh, unlike the Al Pacino 2004 one, I think was where it was so serious was that without those comedic bits, it just felt somber the whole time. Yeah. And it didn't... So none of the characters had any joy to be taken away by the drama. Well, I will say you know? in the in that version, it does end like there's laughter and happiness and everything's wonderful. And then Jessica's very... Like, yeah, it's like you yeah, can yeah. hear these people who are these, these Christians yes, having their yes, fun. Yeah. And the converted the Jew has to be alone yeah. and sad because yeah. that's how her story ends. 
if you look at it that way. Yeah, yeah. Right? But again, that was a choice by that by that. Definitely, definitely. Film, but yeah, and, anyways, and that's yeah. but that yeah. So it's not something that's inherent to the text itself, but um, yeah, can be adapted in the yeah. way that that works best, and and that's one way I think Shakespeare is can either be highly dramatic or highly comedic or both depending on the tastes of the audience at the time you can Mm -hmm. you can adapt it and that's where the shakespearean adaptations have um maybe prolonged the shelf life extended the shelf life of shakespeare's relevancy Probably because well, that, you know that's, that's what we're going to talk about next. So all right, let's great. Just jump right in there. Is is Shakespeare comedy still funny? I was trying to segue <laughs> naturally into it. You just have to announce it. You're the guy who, in an essay, puts like bold titles before now. Every I'm section. going to talk about this thing. Yes. Uh, so is he still funny? Are the plays still funny? I think we can actually agree on this one. I'd yeah. say yes. Yeah. Um, we. I think. Well, we've we've already kind of touched on it, but I think there's there's aspects that don't work as well. Yeah. Um. I think it really depends on your audience. It, you kind of have yeah. to have a sense of how savvy your audience is, what what kind of understanding of Shakespeare they may have, right? And just what their sense of humor is. I think when we yeah. <laughs> when we went to see it in Germany, right? Uh, it was Midsummer Night's Dream, yeah. and uh not speaking any german obviously we didn't get any of the puns there were a few times when people just giggled and were like okay sure yeah i got that but then there were some physical bits there was the moon that they held up uh and then the moon broke (laughs) like the prop that they used broke and the characters ad or the actors ad-libbed through it and it was like i didn't even have to speak german i had to get the why that's funny right yeah um and there were elements of that throughout that play um and it's again it's it's like watching uh Kind of like watching a, a, a film in another in another language right. as well, where you you can you probably aren't getting even with the translations you're probably not getting all the jokes. Um, you know you'd have to do a really masterful translation to get all of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes you don't need that. You can you can get it through the physicality. You can get it through the the uh, mistaken identities, the the ironies of the scene itself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think Shakespeare is still funny. Yeah, and and I, I, no, I definitely would agree. I think that you need to do a little bit more work though. To uh, there's a little bit more handholding involved. That's that's all, and there's nothing wrong with that inherently. Um, but it does, I think, lend itself to the um, the reputation that Shakespeare has as difficult yes. is not helped by the fact that you know, a giant anthology of yes. Shakespeare works is is big enough to kill someone yeah. if you hurled it at them. And and a lot of that is footnotes and endnotes. And that doesn't that's it's intimidating. So, you know, going to a, a play, there's a lot of work on the part of the actors and the performers, the the um, the directors, the costume designers, yeah. the set designers to make the play relevant. Yeah. And I have tremendous respect, not just because we've talked to, you know, on our podcast, we've interviewed Mm -hmm. people who work behind the scenes on this, but just the logistics of it, right? And and trying to make this stuff um, work for a modern audience. Um, It just, it just, it's more labor intensive for both audience and less so for the audience if the production is good, but it is still work. You have to pay attention. And so... um, Yes, I think Shakespeare can still be funny. I don't think that you, you don't have to lean into every joke, though. And that's the yeah, thing that that yeah. um, is important to remember, um, that it's OK if you let these puns slide. You know, you find the ones that are going to 
you're going to get the most bang for your buck from. And then you you lean into those ones. Or and, Well, yeah, and, and a lot of plays, I mean, we've been watching a lot of the BBC uh, yeah. productions, which are very faithful to, that, to the text. But yes. um, most modern productions are cutting things left, right, and center. I mean, if there's, if there's uh, Thersites in uh, Trillius and Cressida going on and on for like a page and a half about, yeah. you know, whatever to set up a dick joke, it's like... No, just cut to the dick joke, and yeah. then that, and he, the actor can can really sell that part of yeah. it, right? And so, I mean, there, there's also changes you can make to the text to make it work, which For sure. is a huge part of it. For sure, and that's where the adaptations come into play, mm-hmm. and that's where I've seen other other playwrights. It's weird. Um, I remember, maybe you don't remember. I wonder. Many many years ago, we we saw a production of Vanya. That was set in rural oh, Alberta yes. during the Depression. Uncle Vanya. Uncle Vanya. Yeah, Vanya. yeah, right? And and <laughs> seeing yeah, seeing Chekhov done um, an adaptation, a m- sort of modernized yeah, adaptation yeah. Uh, of what was that Chekhov. Name? I forget. He did everything was set in the yeah, Depression, in the, depression era Alberta. in the 30s yeah. in, in Alberta. Um, it was his... His, his his place. That's yeah. where he. That's where he went to mine gold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was weird to see Chekhov done that way, because it's something that we've come to expect from Shakespeare. But other playwrights, I think, are starting to get that Shakespeare treatment because it does seem to allow the plays to breathe and live anew and in, in and and as I said, extend their relevancy to a degree. Right? If you can do an. Uh, George Bernard Shaw Pygmalion adaptation with Audrey Hepburn yeah, as a London yeah. Cockney flower girl, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it it just it just well, no, that's that's the play Pygmalion. If you're doing, <laughs> <laughs> what am I saying? If you can do pretty it as woman, Pretty Woman, yes, that's yes. what I was well, getting I mean, at. Yeah, right. But I mean, Pygmalion the film was yes. was, it the, was it the exact same as the text of the original play? Well, no, it's based on on like an ancient Greek play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right. Then, yeah, but then, but then Shaw did it in like the 1910s or something, wasn't it? Yeah. And the movie was in the 60s. So yeah, but it was just an it was just oh, okay. So right? it was an adaptation of Shaw's. No, and then they adapted it to be loosely adapted it yeah, into, into Pretty, pretty Woman. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Right? I was just confused yeah. about the the chronology. And I didn't help by <laughs> getting things confused myself. Um, but you know, you can see that happening more and more. I think, and that's uh, maybe a response to. Um, I don't think it's because everybody wants to be like Shakespeare, but I think it is uh, just let's go to other sources to find, Mm -hmm. you know, the next blockbusters or the next, you know, big thing. And we're in comic book land. I've, I am, I am one quarter of the way through Zack Snyder's (laughs) Justice League. Yes. Uh, And I can say that there is, you know, well, there's no, there's nothing funny so far. But the other, you know, other uh, Marvel movies, for instance, do do mind comedy out of the comics. Uh, there's how many memes are just comic panels that are just taken out wildly out of context and well, hilarious and dick if, jokes if again. You're, and what if have you're you. hiring Taika Waititi to do your yes, movies, your Thor's, then, then yeah, I mean, there's going to be some funny, funny bits in there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but it is. But you, in your essay, you said that that comedy is. Um, wildly subjective mm-hmm. and and very wedded to the time in which it is born and i think that that does pose a problem i don't see anchorman mm-hmm. being as universally funny 
in it any way, in shape, or form. Yeah. Well, even <laughs> even in 2014, yeah, right. The jokes well, the, had started to become a little bit dated yeah. and dry. And and yeah. we can look at it. What did we watch the other day? And we we said, oh my god, like the sexism and the <laughs> like yeah. the rape jokes. I'm like, this was a this was a popular film we watched, and we we were so disgusted. I can't remember the name of the film we were watching, but it, you pick one from the yeah. early 2000s, the late 90s, early 2000s, yeah. and and it's like. The, the times have shifted away from that and we don't find that funny or acceptable anymore. Yeah. Um, so are people going to be watching Anchorman? Are there are there going to be footnotes for Anchorman? <laughs> I don't think in... it'll last that long. But... Well, that's what I mean, right? So so Shakespeare is still taught and for a lot of reasons, we've covered many, many times on this podcast, but um, it's not like this is something that everybody gets to experience so is Shakespeare still funny because he's been funny or is he funny because we want to make it relevant because we need to teach yeah Shakespeare and we need well, to I, hold on to that as like a cultural touchstone I, I think it's a mixture of both like yeah. my, my overall sense is yes it's still funny mm-hmm. but uh again again if you have to explain a lot of the jokes yeah. it's not funny um the other half of it is that um, some some bits do last. Like some they are do. just always funny. Like mistaken identity yeah. can be really funny. When you put someone in a situation where they're not comfortable, I just read a book, uh, The Midnight Library yep. uh, by Matt Haig, and it, it featured a character jumping in and out of different lives basically. And she never knows what the life is until she's mm-hmm. in it. And all of a sudden she's up on stage performing for a rock concert or yeah. she's a doctor and she has to perform open heart surgery and she's sure. like, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. It's kind of funny, right? Like yeah. you, can, you can have these fish out of water situations um and they they they've withstood the test of time for yeah. some reason people keep thinking that's funny yeah um freaky friday or 30 13 going on 30 or whatever like these kind of things well, even you be... mentioned we've been watching a lot of star trek and and yeah. the fish out of water characters the datas and seven of nine and yeah. spock to a certain extent yeah. are where you, you still get, get a lot that. of gold yeah 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 but so i yeah so I, I think there's there's certain parts that um have just stood up to the test of time and they're still funny and yeah. that are they I always changed? going to be funny? I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, oh, I, I didn't mention this when we were talking about the history of, of comedy in Elizabethan England, but if you go back to like uh, Terrence and Plautus and yeah. the the, <laughs> the uh, Latin comedies yes. are like literally they're just walk around with big balloons for dicks and they whack yeah. each other with it and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And it's like, that's still kind of funny to us now, but uh, it was, it's a totally different kind of funny. We look at it as like, they thought this was funny. Yeah. Like, this, this was, was low the brow. Yeah. yeah. But, the, but this was like, these are the great works that yeah. have been handed down to us from the Roman times. Yeah. And it's like, this is it. Uh, and, but at the same time, it is still kind of funny. Like yeah. it's, it's comedy is just so hard to talk about. Yeah. I, I don't envy any, uh, comedian who has to try and do it for a living, like explain why they're funny or something like that. That's probably why they don't. Yeah, they really don't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it's it's just it's one of those things that some things just do work continually and some yeah. don't, and that's how it is. And yeah. I think Shakespeare has enough of the funny bits that have lasted four hundred years. Why maybe they will last another four hundred? Right, right. Once more into the breach, dear friends. Once more, I'll close the wall up with our English dead. So there's one last area of, of comedy that we want to talk about, yes. um, which is kind of a an offshoot of the plays itself, and that's Shakespeare's life itself. Yes, um, mining his life for comedy, and and why it is that that we have such a fun time watching either the the loose biopics. Yes, you know yeah. if you the call them that, Shakespeare in yeah. Love or Always True. Um, 
or whether it's a wildly inaccurate portrayal um, in the comedy Bill, for example, yeah. or Upstart Crow, yeah. where it's it's got elements of his life, but it's it's clearly a sitcom that's yeah. based on on other our, things. Well, in our modern conventions of right. what's funny and right. what how a sitcom operates. So yeah. how how have we come to this point <laughs> where Shakespeare himself is considered a comedic character yeah. or can be considered a comedic character? Yeah. And I really think it's because his life is kind of funny. What we know of it yes. is pretty funny. Absolutely. He's, he's uh, raised by a father who's in debt and <laughs> screws around and gets kicked off the city council. I mean, that's pretty funny. Gets, yeah, it gets Tragic fined. in a sense, yeah, but also yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, gets fined for... For laundering uh, fleece. Laundering <laughs> fleece. Uh, yeah, and he's, he's like this <laughs> humble guy who then winds up in London and he's performing for the Queen. Yeah. And it's like... This is kind of a funny character. In um, the meantime, he's knocked up his wife. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. Like he's, he's like, got oh, bastard kids, yeah, right? Exactly. Um, uh, it's it's and then and then at the end of his life, he comes home and he's like, "I'm gonna sue everybody. There's property <laughs> disputes. I'm gonna uh, build a garden. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna die after getting drunk at the pub <laughs> with my friends. Like it's a bad cold. Yeah. It's it's funny. It's funny. Like there there are really funny elements to his life, yeah. and I I mean I. I think bald. uh, Yeah, probably. I mean, not not that. Well, and and there was a recent article that came out that said that uh, the bus that is at uh, Trinity. Uh, Holy Trinity, yes. Holy Trinity, yes. uh, the church in Stratford-on-Avon, was probably commissioned by Shakespeare in yes. his lifetime. Uh, so it's probably a very accurate likeness. Um, and look at him. He's a pudgy guy with, you know, a, a sack of grain and, and he stuff. wanted that as his that, memorial. That, that was him. If he's like, yeah, this theory oh, that's me. is true, if he did commission this bust, <laughs> yeah. he's like, this is how I want to be remembered. <laughs> as a fat, balding dude, you know, uh, lording very- over my <laughs> estate. Yeah. Or my bones with the stupid little poem on his grave. Yeah. I mean, that's the height of death. You can just picture. I just love this this image in my head of Shakespeare, you know, jotting down a few lines of poetry. For on his deathbed. On his deathbed. <laughs> this and would his, get him laughing. his daughter, Susanna, being like, oh, God, Dad, that's the worst joke ever. <laughs> you don't want to go for it again? <laughs> Mess with my bones, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, it's it's ridiculous yeah it's, it's kind of ridiculous so it's easy to like heighten that up and and have a portrayal like in anonymous of shakespeare as a booze hound yeah. or yeah. um uh upstart crow where he bemoans his commute back up to stratford upon <laughs> yeah and, and that's the thing like again and that's the other thing that really works for mining his life for comedy again is that it's we don't know enough about him. So right. we can, you can have David Mitchell play him as an everyman. Totally. Or you can have, what's his name from Anonymous, play him as a total drunk or asshole. Or in Bill, have him be a loot player. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Because who the hell knows? <laughs> Why not? Why not? So we, you have this... Uh, Wellspring, and then there's the other aspect of it of why we find it funny is that Shakespeare is this mythical figure, mm-hmm. and so seeing him knock down a peg, it's very much what Shakespeare did with of his course. characters, right? You we have turn the foolish... him into Sir Andrew Aguecheek, exactly, right? yeah, and it works out so well. It's mm-hmm. it's very much in keeping with how he operated comedically. Yeah, it's kind of fun, like yeah. art imitating life, yeah, or life imitating art. Maybe both. really doesn't matter. Yeah, it's all funny. Yeah, hopefully. If I longer stay, 
We shall begin our ancient bickerings. So, ancient bickerings today. We yes. decided uh, there wasn't as much bickering, I, I suppose. I, I set up the yeah, way to oversell expectations I did. I should always undersell. That's right. Um, <laughs> but today's ancient bickerings, less of a bickering session, more of just our opinions about yeah. these things. We'd love to hear from you as well if you have uh, answers to the three questions that we've asked each other. Um, we want to know, who do you think is the funniest character in all of Shakespeare? The funniest scene? And the funniest line or joke that that you think get some laughing rolling in the aisles every time yeah um aiden do you have your i do i have all three Great. Uh, let's go with funniest character okay. first it's the easiest one uh mine is the obvious choice but i think it holds up sir falstaff oh okay uh, yeah, because yeah. he's just especially in part one he is drop dead hilarious and <laughs> i thought you were gonna say drop dead gorgeous well he's that too because he's so funny it makes me blush when i'm looking at him <laughs> uh but he's he's hilarious he's uh completely ignorant uh and he's just he's a, he's a, he is the archetypical comedic figure in a fairly dramatic play i mean it's about you know how's rise yes. and who's gonna sit on the throne and you have hotspur doing his own thing which is also kind of comedic in a lot of cases um and then you have falstaff and he's just this perfect levity so so well done so well written that you know he has to come back from mary wives of windsor you know like that that's yeah. that's the opinion if you want to have a comedic character make him so good that you know he needs his own spin-off show <laughs> I, I love it. I think yeah. I was going to pick Falstaff. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I decided to obvious. go for a bit of a deep cut. Yeah. And really, it's just because um, this character, uh, when we watched the film version, um, Michael Keaton playing Dogberry as in Much Ado About Nothing oh, yeah. made me laugh so hard. His face. Right? <laughs> exactly. And yeah. I just think that, that there's there's a physical comedy aspect to that performance, Michael yeah. Keaton's performance. But but Dogberry himself is uh, the the malapropisms that oh, he God. uses. I they're think hilarious. It's, 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 it's one of those ones where reading it is almost better because you can right. look back and you're like, oh my God, did he just call himself a dog or I don't even remember what the jokes are. Well, yeah. Mary, sir, they have committed false reports. Moreover, they have spoken untruths. Secondarily, they are slanders. Sixth and lastly, they have belied a lady. Thirdly, they have verified (laughs) unjust kings and to conclude, they are lying knaves. Like, this is somebody who has listened to well-to-do people talk and and is trying to ape that with disastrous results. It's hilarious. And I think that because of my love of wordplay, I think that's why Dogberry speaks to me so much because it's like he's so pretentious, but I, I... He's not pretentious in the way that Malvolio is pretentious. He's not pretentious in the way that, like, some of the other highfalutin characters who get knocked down a peg or two get treated. Yeah. Um... He's he's pretentious in a way that I kind of understand because I see that I do it myself. I'll use a big word when a small word would suffice, and sometimes I get it wrong. You do it too. All the time. We all do it. It's very relatable, and I think that's what makes Dogberry such a hilarious character. Yeah. Um, but I'll always remember him as as Michael Keaton. Yeah. Well, well he, I mean, he nailed it. I mean, it's it's hard because that that production didn't didn't lean on him quite as much yes. as it could have, um, and it didn't give him the space to really nail those. Um, that wordplay mm-hmm. quite as much. They had him do it very fast, um, which plays to Michael Keaton's comedic strengths, but it, it didn't let the words go very far. Right. But he does, he sells the comedy regardless. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And yeah. that it's just, it's because of his weird performance style that it works so well. Yeah. It's also a funny character. Like Dogberry is funny because he's a police constable. And 
at the time there were no standardized police forces. Yeah. It was just unqualified people. And, and there's nobody more unqualified than Dogberry, than Dogberry yeah. to be keeping the peace. Yeah. Like that's, it's a, yeah. it's a ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> it's a situational comedy. There's physical comedy. There's wordplay. It's like, it's hitting all the high notes yeah. for me. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's for laugh out loud funny. Good. I think that's Dogberry for me. Okay. Funniest scene, Lindsay. I, I had to go with, um, it's actually a specific production. Ah, okay. So you remember Merchant of Venice right before it got rained and thundered out of the show and the Prince of Morocco showed up as okay. Prince and he walked into that scene. Are you sure? Was it, that was, yeah. I, I thought it was Twelfth Night where they did where Sino was Prince. No, no, yeah, no, he was, but the, the, it was, uh, they also did it the year earlier. Really? Where it was, yeah. Okay, and all right. He walked I don't in. this. He was flaring mm-hmm. and he just walked in and he stole the show. I remember laughing the entire scene. It's not that funny of a scene, no. but he just played him so cocky, and so over the, top. over the top, so colorful, so sure of himself. He's selecting whatever the, the, the lead the box, lead box or, I no, think, or the, the silver, silver box, one or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And he, and he's just like, well then I guess I'm living forever is <laughs> right. You know, and he just walks out and he's yeah. just as happy as he was before. It was bizarre. Um, it's one of those ones where I don't think, like obviously me talking about it right now makes no sense to anybody listening but needless to say there there is it's a good explanation of like there is comedy there if you want to see the comedy yeah. and all you need to do is amp it up to 11 yeah. and you can have them rolling in the aisles uh, and we were and the whole audience was there with them yeah. I remember we just clapped for like <laughs> it was like 30 seconds after that scene was I don't was remember over. that at all you don't like, remember no it. not at all I do uh, remember that performance because I remember yeah. the they, they had to shut it down because this is an outdoor theater performance yes, and yes. it thunder and lightning in yeah. july in alberta so yeah. Yeah. um so but i don't remember that at all yeah but it's it fits because those those suitors porsche's yeah. suitors are kind of ridiculous yeah. and and they're supposed to be yeah so it is a case where the, the humor is there on this on it would be hard to play that serious. Well, but they did in in uh, the Al Pacino one again. Did they? It, I mean, it was the funniest scene maybe in the whole play, but right. it really wasn't that funny. <laughs> Everything like, was subdued in that movie. Yeah, yeah. So um, like, but yeah. it, but it is it is kind of a silly, stupid premise that is exactly brought to you, you. Kind of if you aren't playing it for laughs, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah. So that that does make sense. It is a funny. Yeah. I would argue all of those cask scenes are are pretty exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. My funniest scene is the Pyramus and Thisbe sketch, the rude mechanicals oh, in yeah. Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. I just think that as a as another case of, of pretentiousness and, and just knowing how Bottom wants to play every role, he can be the lover, he can be the woman, he can be the lion, he, he can, can be the wall. He can be the wall. I'll be the best wall. Um, <laughs> but then you get this production and, and um We've seen so – it's the play that I've seen the most often performed. I've seen puppet yeah. show versions of it. I've yeah. seen German versions of it. Yeah. I've seen it performed a couple of times down in, in our River Valley yeah. production. Um, and it never ceases to amaze me how every time the Rude Mechanicals are, are performing the play, there's something funny about it. Uh, the version that we saw at the um, – the winter, uh, the winter Shakespeare Festival mm-hmm. last year before COVID shut everything down um, had the irony of it was that the actor playing Thisbe was actually brilliantly genius and it was yeah. it was played not for laughs yeah. because you have bottom being over the, the, the top yeah. I die I die I die and then Thisbe comes on and there's real tears and yeah. it's like well that's a, a take that I yeah. never saw yeah. the wall can be played as 
ridiculously over the top wall or just stand there and be a wall and it's funny um the moon uh this lanthorn doth the moon present uh it's just it's just stupidly hilarious yeah. how funny that scene can be played and yeah. and it's it's really well and, it, and it's it's the result of a of a interesting setup in terms of like they've been practicing yeah. for it and you don't so know the payoff feels earned yeah right and, yeah and it is mostly hinging on bottom just overacting yes. the shit out of it well everybody overacting the lion exactly. being worried about scaring the ladies in the crowd yeah, yeah. you know so the, the, it's just again it's one of those things it's one of those examples of like no this is just the text is funny yeah, like you know yeah. there's just it's just funny it's a, the situation regardless. requires it to be funny so yeah. it is yeah and it, and it works so Aiden, what's the funniest line or joke that you can remember in all of Shakespeare? Okay, so this one is probably not fair, but it's the one, as soon as you said funniest line, it just popped in my head, so I'm just going with it. Go for it. It's a uh, villain. I have done that. <laughs> just because it's it's the I did your mom joke 400 years ago, and it's just perfect. Like, how can you go past that? You can't, there's no way to improve upon but that. But it's, it's Titus Andronicus. It's, it's, yeah. I've, I've done your mother, and I'm going to cook you in a pie. It's so exactly grisly. it's so dark, and yeah. yet it's just it just dropped in there. It feels like I don't think Shakespeare wrote that line. I think that was one of those <laughs> plays where maybe he was still early on, and they had someone come in and like, no, no, we got to punch this up. Let's throw it. I did your mom joke, like, and he's like, all right, well, we did it. The wordsmith, yeah, the, the script doctor, yeah. <laughs> Your Princess Leia just steps in to help out, right? And it's like, oh, that's funny. So like, that's that's the one that'll always stand the test of time for me because like. There's just something about insulting someone's mom that just yeah. seems to hold up really well. There's um, a lot of jokes like that in Shakespeare. I have that, the the insults really yeah, are the yeah, well, exactly, best part. Yeah, I have that yeah. mug, the, yes. the Unemployed Philosopher's Guild yeah. did, a, did a mug of Shakespearean insults that, um, you know, every time I drink a cup of coffee from that, it makes me laugh. <laughs> you know, just because the words are funny and the, the, the premise is funny, I do desire we may be better... Uh, strangers better strangers <laughs> um the, you know it's it's but you're right villain i have done thy mother is is one of those lines that yeah. just knocks yeah. it up my my yeah, funniest line is is a little more involved i think it's <laughs> again my love of wordplay yeah. when hamlet is telling claudius that polonius is at supper um but not where he eats where he is eaten um, because he's already dead and the worms are making a feast of him um that line the dark <laughs> so comedy dark, of that yeah. line uh, and and depending on how it's played as we talked about in our hamlet episode whether hamlet is going mad or is mm-hmm. already mad or whether he's completely in charge of his faculties and is making that word play um knowingly knowingly yeah uh, yeah <laughs> it it can hit different but it's still yeah. it, it can be darker or it can be a moment of of some levity i guess after you've watched the brutal murder of polonius which is again a case of mistaken identity kind of yeah um but that hinges on on tragedy rather than uh comedy mm-hmm. um and then gets turned into a, a bit of dark dark comedy at the end yeah um i'm trying to think i don't think i've ever laughed when that line is said because there's no there's no timing for it it's it's very much yeah. like a Hamlet kind of slips it under there and yeah. then the conversation just continues. Yeah. You kind of have to realize you like, have to listen. Oh, you have to be waiting for it. That that was a good burn. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, and but it, it does work. It's yeah. it's it's again one of those yeah, it's a good line that way. Yeah. There there are a few other lines that were honorable mentions that I oh, okay. almost did. Like, like oh I think the fool in Twelfth Night has the best amount, the, the largest amount of one liners that I found personally funny. The take away the fool 
you heard the lady. Oh, yeah, way, yeah, right? yeah, 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 um, yeah. Or I live by the church. No, literally, my house is beside the, the church, church, right? Like yeah. that kind of stuff that just, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the lines that, you know, on, on, on the surface, they don't seem like they're that funny, but they, they kind of... They serve the character well. Yes, and I think yes, that makes yes. it a successful... Well, and they serve the scene well. Yeah, really exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Villain, I have done thy mother. So, Lindsay, uh, what is next on our docket? I know we have Othello. We have Othello next. That's our next play episode in two weeks' time from the day of this podcast episode release. Mm-hmm. Um, following that, though... I don't know. What are we doing next? Well, next is uh, Jealousy and Infidelity. Oh, yeah. Um, Obviously. But we may have a brief interruption between then. Oh, We we are actually moving. We are doing some renovations in our place. So Mm -hmm. we uh, may wind up having to take a week off uh, just as we settle into the... We're moving literally just a couple minutes away, but... uh, You know how internet is. Yeah. And and in this age of covid and pandemics yeah things can go wrong so yeah. we may wind up taking a week off but if not uh you'll see us in about a month from now uh talking, talking about, about jealousy yeah. and, and infidelity and uh which yeah we planned that out pretty well we did that on purpose right yeah. to have that right after othello yeah and then after that is all's well that ends well which i don't think i've ever read no nope, me neither i think i've seen it once I feel I like think we, we have, yeah, it but I don't. The... I don't remember what it's about. So again, um, like measure for measure, <laughs> yep. uh, nonstop action-packed thrill ride. Absolutely. I hope, um, if not the play itself, then our episode will be. See, I'm overselling it again. Yeah, way to go, Lens. Yeah, I didn't learn my lesson. Apparently not. Do you, you undersell and overperform? Is that is that the, the saying? Is that what you should undersell, overdeliver, overdeliver, over well, overperform too. I can overact, like William Shatner. Or Michael Keaton as Dogberry. No? Please stop. You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast fix. If you want to tell us what you think of Shakespeare, his plays, poems, or any of the topics we discuss, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on Twitter, that's at TheBixPod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash TheBixPod, or by email at thebixpod at gmail.com. That's our cue to exit.